What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello, and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. On today's episode, I'll be doing a deep dive into one of my favorite reality shows, Survivor, with two of my favorite contestants from the show, Rob Sestranino and Stephen Fishbach. So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back. When Survivor first premiered on CBS on May 31st, 2000, it not only changed the landscape of reality TV, it changed the landscape of just TV in general. Each season, host Jeff Probst invites a new batch of contestants to a remote location to survive the elements and compete in a series of challenges to ultimately become the sole survivor. Now, I'll admit, I haven't watched the show from day one. For so long, I always thought that it wasn't for me because I'm not an outdoors person. Look, I go to the beach covered head to toe. I spend 15 minutes outside before I'm looking for a Starbucks. I'm so much not an outdoors person that I couldn't even fathom enjoying a show that takes place exclusively outdoors. But during the pandemic, I was looking for something to watch and I decided to give Survivor a chance finally. And wow, I got hooked. I watched every single episode and became invested in the stories and the lives of the players which is how I got to know my two guests today. Rob Sestranino first appeared on Survivor the Amazon in 2002, coming in third that season and making a lasting impression for his sometimes controversial gameplay. I had always thought it was great, but some people thought it was controversial. He came back in 2003 to compete in Survivor All-Stars. Meanwhile, Stephen Fishbach first competed in Survivor Tokenchin in 2009, becoming the runner-up that season. It was a great season. He became a fan favorite for his gameplay, which led him to returning in 2015 for Survivor Cambodia, where Steven had a very different experience from his first time on the show, and we'll talk about that. Since the show, Rob has created a very popular podcast platform called Rob Has a Podcast, where he and frequent guest Steven chat about the new seasons of Survivor so under their you guys sort of are a series two that they have called Survivor, Survivor Know-It-Alls. Contestants also, Steven has gone time. on to become an Steven accomplished Fishbach writer, and appearing Rob in Sistrino. New Yorker, Welcome. People, and Hello. Entertainment Weekly. Thank you. That's so kind. But the yes. two of two of how many though? You know, if it's like I two mean, of I, well, okay. Let me tell you my top six hundred. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. So let me tell you my. My, I mean, I guess you guys probably got this a lot, but I never watched Survivor until the pandemic because I always thought that Survivor was like a straight dude show. I literally, it was so the opposite of what I wanted to watch. I was just like outdoors. No, I'm an AC person. I'm not doing Survivor. Like that just seems like anxiety to me. And I'm already on Xanax. I don't need more of it. And so I never watched it. And then my boyfriend and I, during the pandemic, we were like, Let's give it a try. We're bored. Why not? It's on there. We might as well. So we started watching, became obsessed, like fully obsessed. And I'm sure you guys probably got that from a lot of people during the pandemic. I mean, is that right? 
I certainly heard uh, by way of the podcast that a lot of people picked it up over the pandemic. And I, and I don't, don't know why. And maybe you could speak to that about like why, why it was a show. And maybe it was just like every single show uh, had this. But I guess it was because that you could sort of bounce around. And while it was like, you know, 40 seasons were available, you didn't have to watch them in order. You could sort of just like uh, pick one season where it was like, you know, The Walking Dead. Um, oh, let me watch season four of that. That 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 one sounds good. So it's it's sort of like you could just watch like 13 episodes and get a whole story. But yeah. a lot of people, for whatever reason, maybe it's because you have to stay inside that people like really went back to Survivor and a lot of people like consume the catalog during that time. Did you get any of that? So, Oh yeah, I mean, here, here's my here's my thought. Okay, like first of all, you know, we're all inside, and then there's this scheming show that's happening, and it's all outside. I think too, there was an element of everyone became very obsessed with like their sort of like micro transactions with people. You know, it was like, ooh, did I shake his hand? Did I get dirty by shaking his hand? You know, and like that's what Survivor is. It's like you're kind of like that analysis of these little things. You interesting. Know? Yeah, was I infected by that alliance? I never heard that. I also think it has a lot to do with no other show. I mean, really, even reality shows, no other show brings such a diverse group of people together. Do you know what I mean? Like even on scripted shows, sometimes like they're all like everyone on on. Uh, I don't know. What, what's the, the Big Bang Theory? Like everyone is basically the same except for the blonde girl. Like everyone is always the same. Cooper Polly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just sort of like they're all they're all kind of similar but on survivor it's like the survivor feeds on people being drastically different to annoy each other and it's it's i think in some way it was sort of like a a microcosm of the real world that we were missing out on in a lot of ways you know what i mean right. like i love going out in public and talking shit about people i'll be honest like i i love being like look at that guy over there like it's it's a thing that i do and i think survivor is kind of like a way to sort of do that in a lot of ways, to really critique people and their actions and their motives and what they're doing. And like, as a viewer, you know what I mean? Well, I definitely feel like that in Survivor has been, you know, su such an important part of the reality TV, you know, genre over 22 years that I, I do think like in its inception, like I think that that was the appeal of like, okay, these are these are real people and you are doing people watching and in the same way that you would gossip about the people in your office or in your, you know, in your, in your town. Now, here are these people for you to talk about. And so it, I think there is something like very human about uh, like watching these people go through these things that are that are real people yeah yeah i mean steven one of the things that i think i mean were you on first or was rob on first i forget who which one of you what season was rob was on so long ago both of rob's seasons were like i didn't even know survivor was on the air when rob was when rob oh was really on. so rob you I were know. yeah i was i was i know it's confused because i look much younger but i actually yes <laughs> i was on the show first well and so rob you I mean, in your first season, because you both have come back for, you know, subsequent seasons, but in your first season, you were evil. I mean, you were painted as evil in a lot of ways. Like you were. I've, yeah. I well, I, you know, <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't say that. Um, well, you wouldn't I, I say you were going, evil, but everyone. Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would say I was going particularly for for evil or yeah. but like um, I, I would say maybe uh, sneaky, but like playing the game hard at a time when that it, like by comparison, the game like what I was doing then is like, you know, not really even like uh, nearly playing as hard as people play 
in the modern day game, but at that totally. point in time, just people didn't look at the game uh, with such a strategic lens uh, way back when. But to get that evil edit, if you will, to get mm -hmm. that sort of to get that perception of being the villain or whatever, whatever you want to call it, and then to be in your real life, back in your real life, and to get that kind of response from a massive television audience, what was what was that like for you? How hard was that to sort of deal with that kind of scrutiny? So it really wasn't hard at all. And people were not like, you know, hissing at me on the street or anything like that. Almost, you know, anybody that talked to me was a person that was a fan of the show. Like, I felt like that the response was very positive. And I felt like that people, uh, you know, really appreciate it. They're Survivor fans. They like to see somebody playing the game hard. And so yeah. I think that there definitely have been other people that have, you know, uh, not had as good of an experience with the show. But for me, you know, I think in terms of like, you know, there, there's different kinds of villains on the show. And, and I think just like playing hard strategically and voting people out is not typically what gets a negative response from the fans. Yeah. The interesting thing, too, is that like, you know, Rob, both of Rob's seasons and then my first season to a lesser extent were, were before the dawn of social media. Yeah. And that has made the whole experience, you know, a much, much more intense and toxic uh, for a lot of the players because, you know, back in the day, yeah, someone might yell something at you on the street, you know, occasionally, yeah. but now you're having hundreds or thousands of people yelling things and, and not even having the obligation of saying it to your face. You know, they can say anything and, and not, you know, have any consequences for it. Well, and Stephen, you had, I mean, I think of all the players that I probably relate to the most, I relate to you the most just because I'm so sorry. Oh, I God. know. I know. It's sad, isn't it? But <laughs> it's, it's, it's because your reaction to being in the wilderness is exactly what my reaction to being in the wilderness would be <laughs> like looking uncomfortable, feeling yeah. kind of miserable. <laughs> like that's, that's how I would. And you, I mean, I hate to talk about edits cause I really don't think, I mean, I, my, my boyfriend was on Project Runway. I understand the whole conversation around wow. edits and like all of that. And I have a lot of friends that are on Drag Race. And it's like the the I feel like saying the word edit is not really warranted because it's like you did put that on television. But do you feel like you got like sort of an underdog good guy edit or like what was what was your edit, if you will? I mean, I think the. Um... You know, my first time I, I I went on there, I do think like certainly towards the end, I was portrayed. Yeah, I mean, maybe less less favorably. I don't. I, I mean, it, highs and lows, right? Highs and lows. Yeah. I do. I do. Um, I guess certainly the second time that I was on the show, I think they made a real point of emphasizing some of my more absurd and less flattering moments. And, and really, that's what it's about, right? It's like like you're saying all these things happened. It's just a question of balance. Like yeah. which of my moments are they putting on? Are they putting like the hilarious one-liners I, I may or may not have said, you know, in my mind I said, um, or are they putting on, you know, the time I struggled to, to break a stick and then like, you know, doing a custom track of, of clown music under that, you know? So it's yeah. what they choose to emphasize and how they choose to emphasize it, uh, which, you know, creates, you know, quote the edit and, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't particularly love my edit my second time. Out. You didn't like that? No. <laughs> is that hard to watch? I mean, is it? Is it? It's terrible. Because like, not you. It's not just that you're watching it. You know, all of your family is watching it. Yeah. All your friends are watching it. All these strangers on social media are watching it. And um, you know, I, I had like a corporate job. My colleagues were watching it. You know, someday my daughter will watch that. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe I'll tell her that that there was no second season. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, Rob, what do you like? What do you think of the edit? Do, do you think people focus on it too much? Is it is it largely fair? Like, so I, I think that the audience at home almost doesn't think about it. Uh, and that's why it's so troubling to the people that go through the experience who think about it constantly. And so for the participants that you're like, that, 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 that didn't happen. That was wow, 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 wow. They're making that person look so good. But to the audience and, and they're like, if you say anything about it, it's almost like um, it's like, wait, what, what are you what are you talking about? We I saw with my own eyes. Uh, you you had a problem with blah, 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 blah. Like, no, no, no. That happened the day before. You didn't understand. Uh, like it will never you know, your point will never come across to the person who, you know, I, hey, I saw it. Like, I know what I saw. Like you, yeah. that, that was the truth. Yeah. The interesting thing is they can manipulate audio, right? So they they have audio. It's not like the audio has to be synced up with the moment that it was, you know, delivered. So they can, I, in my second season, there was, you know, a conversation that was played that just didn't happen like that, you know, different people, different time frame. Um, you know, they, they take a piece of audio, they like subtitle it and suddenly like, you know, that's, that's the new reality. And like Rob's saying, you know, there's no there's no way anyone watching that has would even consider that that wasn't even true. I mean, I, I have that experience. I know, you know, I talk about survivor edits all the time. And yet when I watch, um, you know, a reality TV show, I'm like this moron, how could he say that dumb thing in this time? Yeah. You, know, you don't think about it. I have a friend mm -hmm. who is on drag race who calls it the essence of reality. It's not quite right. reality, but it's, there's it's the essence not, of it. Yeah. It's Good. not a documentary. You know, yeah. it's not like that, you know, any reality show is like, we're going to portray, you know, exactly what happened. It's like, hey, we're going to like chop up whatever happened out here to make the most compelling story for our, our viewers of the, the show. So you go out there and it's not just like Survivor. This is, you know, all reality TV and you sort of are a participant in a thing, but there's no guarantee it's going to truly be your story as you experienced it. The one thing I want to say about Survivor uh, specifically, you know, unlike, or I, I don't know what, how it compares to other shows in this, in this capacity, but they, I think in the last couple of years have gotten like meaningfully better at mm. trying to really capture people's struggles mm -hmm. and honor those struggles. And I think they went through a phase a couple of years, like, uh, you know, a, a few years back where they were a little bit more mean spirited. And, you know, sometimes they just tried to show pe people as being goofy or like really like, you know, as a way of entertaining their viewers, of course, but in a way that didn't necessarily honor the experience of the players. And I think they're much better now at trying, if even though they're still showing some people as being goofy, still trying to honor the complexity and the struggles and the and the humanity of their contestants. You really see that, I think, reflected in a lot of major reality shows, too. I mean, I, I like I mean, the major one that I probably watch a lot is with drag, like I said, with Drag Race. And you see sort of in those mid seasons, there was sort of the there was a lot of fighting and there's a lot of focus on sort of like the, the evil character or whatever. And now, while there still is a lot of that, there's sort of like a kumbaya essence of a focus on like, these are human beings, they're struggling, there's stress, there's, and you see it on Survivor, you see it on The Amazing Race, you see it on a lot of these different competition shows where there is kind of a focus on the mental health of the players and, and the conversation around the mental health of playing a game like that, like Survivor, you know? Well, I, I think a lot of it has been from, you know, feedback from the contestants who have been uh, through that and have, you know, had more of a voice uh, because of social media and things like podcasts and have been able to sort of like talk about like the harm that was done from some of uh, the experience of being on these shows, especially from a mental health perspective. And then 
you know the shows have done like what they can and and like especially survivor over the last couple of years has really done a, a lot of work listening to a lot of its contestants uh especially the experience of its uh, uh underrepresented uh diverse contestants yeah. in terms of trying to improve the product well yeah and you see that on survivor i mean that's one of the things that I think I probably noticed watching it years late, watching it in 2020, you know, years after the show had started. And I'm like, oh, wow, these 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 players of color definitely are getting a raw deal sometimes in terms of how the voting works and how the sort of the group mentality happens in, on Survivor. And you see that in recent years that people from marginalized communities are getting more of a a play at the game in a lot of ways they're getting a fair game and they're sticking up for themselves and and the show is recognizing that they should be doing more as well and i think you're really seeing that especially with these last two seasons i mean it's 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 markedly different these last two seasons in a good way in my opinion well the cbs shows after season 40 uh there was a or after season 40 of survivor uh there was a, a group of uh, black survivor players mm -hmm. that met with cbs and got cbs to sign off on a uh, diversity casting initiative where from that point on that 50 percent of all of the casts of all of the cbs reality shows were going to be um made up of uh people of color and so from you know here on out they've basically all cbs reality shows are now working under that uh same uh you know agreement that was made which in a lot of ways is going back to like what we were saying earlier about sort of the early days of survivor wanting to replicate sort of what real life is like and real life is there's a lot of diverse people in our lives, especially in major cities, and we're surrounded by by different types of people from different walks of life. So why shouldn't Survivor also have that mandate as well? And it's it's a it's an interesting direction. The other thing that I think that I wanted to ask you guys is what considering all of those things and the things we've talked about, this show has been on for so long, one of the longest running reality, the longest running reality competition show, I guess, like how do you think some of the recent changes are why it's been able to stay on the on the air all these years? Like, how do why do you think it's still why do, why do people still watch in the, the amount of people that still watch? I mean, there's just I mean, you know, your question about the changes is an extremely like fraught one within the fan community, because, of course, you know, any slight change to the format has an enormous response. And I think, you mm -hmm. know, Rob and I probably agree that some change is good and some change is great. And, you know, a lot of the recent, you know, many of the recent changes have been kind of essential to keeping a level of excitement in a TV show that is now competing right against a billion amazing scripted dramas, you know, across, you know, hundreds of streaming platforms where at the end of every single scripted episode, you know, someone dies an explosion. There's like some huge drop trauma and, and, you know, you can't keep just, you know, 16 people with no, you know, in a box yeah. um, and, and expect that, that to, that to compete in, in that, in that landscape at the same time, you know, I think I certainly feel, and I'm, I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, Rob, but some, sometimes it goes a little astray where, um, you know, it gets a little bit too much, you know, where, where there is this core format that is yeah. still just amazing that we've talked, that we've already talked about on this podcast, you know, of taking, you know, 16 to 20 people from diverse walks of life and forcing them to compete in a game um, where they have to, you know, with one winner, where, where they have to build alliances to get deep in the game, but ultimately will have to betray those alliances in order to win. And, um, you know, with this added 
element of the elements where they're yeah. literally, you know, suffering. They're literally relying on each other um, for body heat, for food, for water, and and then having to like make those 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 schemings and those deals. I mean, as Rob noted in the last season, like like one out of four tribal councils was actually a uh, you know in the traditional format. Yeah. Is that is that the number? I mean, it was something like similar to that. But um, yeah, that uh, they is a challenge with trying to find the balance between keeping the players and the viewers like on their toes and then having a show that is very, very confusing and hard to understand and follow for the majority of the people that that view it. And I feel like that Survivor is still trying to find that balance. I know that they are very excited about all the different things that they are throwing at the contestants. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that the reason why the show is so successful is that people love the format of Survivor. And when you play with it too much, like it starts to become something that isn't Survivor that people fell in love with. But if it was, you know, if it was old school Survivor where it was like these five people are just going to vote off those four people one by one, you know, that wouldn't stand up anymore. Like it would get, that would be boring. And, you know, there were some legitimately really boring seasons in like the mid twenties before they started to, um, you know, before they started to experiment with the format a lot. And it is, yeah. it is this push and this pull between how much are you adding changes to create excitement versus how much are you just steering into total randomness where the players themselves can't really execute a strategy because things change so much day by day. And as a result, the audience can't follow a strategy. You can't get invested in a player strategy. Yeah, I think for me and my boyfriend, the biggest drama that we've watched over the seasons, we've watched every single one, is when will Jeff Probst's face change? When will he? Do? That is <laughs> like that is that to me is that will that's that's what's keeping me watching. Honestly, I want to see that moment when Jeff Probst has gray hair. That's I want I want a little bit of that. That, that moment may never come. Um, <laughs> do you um if Jeff retired and there were no. a new host, are you out? Is that it? That oh, you're done with the show? Or that's interesting. No, is I, there I, a scenario? No, my, Jeff, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Jeff Probst. And I think one of the things that I do love about Jeff Probst is that he's not afraid to get political. And I think that is a daring thing for someone who hosts a show like Survivor in in that that fits so many different demographics. So I love Jeff Probst, but no, I'm not there for Jeff Probst. I'm there for the players like that. I think that's how most Survivor fans are. They love Jeff. Everyone loves Jeff. But it's like we're about the players. Everyone's about the players, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the thing. Like the, the the casting has, you know, always been, you know, uh, the secret sauce of the show that they find, you know, incredible people to play the show. And the people that they find now, n- not only are they incredible characters, but they also they know the game so yeah. well. And and that's why I feel like that they they don't have to throw like a- as much at them because I think that no matter what they did, I think the players are going to be coming up with like interesting strategies and would be able to like uh really play like very fun games uh without like all of like you would throw a bunch of like twists and like randomness at people who were bad at playing survivor because you would want to shake it up and make it interesting i think the players do that on their own so i don't think they need to do as much to try to like make the game exciting i think the players they have will make the game exciting would either of you ever go back no I mean, I don't know. I would never go back. I don't know. uh, Neither of us. I mean, never is a very strong word. I mean, there are circumstances that I can imagine going back. Like if I had something like urgently to promote that I wanted a national audience for. Uh But um, I don't think I've done it twice. I was very, you know, happy with my first experience. 
less happy with my second experience. I don't feel, I mean, it's a wonderful experience. It's an incredible show. It's an incredible game to participate in. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in my forties now. My, my joints aren't what they were like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be out there. And again, yeah. yeah. Um, my life is fine. I very much enjoy just getting to podcast about the show that like it has been, you know, uh, the, you know, a great joy of my, you know, uh, creative work life to be able to, uh, do what I get to do. And so I, I think, I think I am good, but you know, it, it would be, you know, a great opportunity to go and like, uh, you know, if I can just get somebody to say Rob has a podcast one time, uh, <laughs> like just think of like, if I had to pay for that commercial, like that, that's like, you know, hundreds you know, of thousands of dollars in marketing. Yeah. You know. Someone out there, one of the contestants over the years, it probably didn't make it to air, but they've said Rob has a podcast. I mean, they, every, mm -hmm. because they listen and they said, Look. stop talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait. So two quick, I quick like rapid fire answer questions. I have two for you that I need to know answers to. Who do you think, is the greatest player of all time, the GOAT of Survivor? I mean, there's just one answer. Is I mean, it? No, uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> Tony. Well, we're going to agree. I mean, yeah, if you have to choose a greatest player, I think it has to be Tony. You know, he played a, an all-time game um, in his first season. Not an all-time game, a very strong, really fun, good game in his first season. And then yeah. to come back and just dominate winners at war the way that he did um, in a way that, you know, you certainly saw it on air, but I think talking to some of the contestants after the fact really showed just how in control he was the entire time. And these were, you know, the best of the best, right? So he came, he came out and played this incredible season against some of the best players and uh, just, just destroyed it. I think so. I think if you had to, if you had to pick one in general, I do not believe in picking a, a greatest. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of people who played once who never yeah. played again. Like maybe they could have been the greatest, but I would, I would say Tony. You're pulling a Dustin Hoffman winning an Oscar. I don't believe I'm the greatest, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's hard to say uh, somebody else uh, other than Tony that he has won twice in three appearances. If we're just looking at the sets, he beat all of the winners in uh, Winners at War and played like an incredibly dominant game. I think if Tony went back, I don't, I don't think he would win. So it's sort of like if you're looking for the person that's going to like have the best track record, like th that person just doesn't exist. But yeah. based on what he's done, yeah, I think that Tony is probably the right answer to that question. And what do you think is one of the most sort of controversial moments in Survivor history? If you had to pick one, that's <laughs> oh, where out. do we where do we like, start? Like, yeah. what is what is what, what's one that like stood out that changed the game? Let's say. Well, what do you mean controversial? Yeah, because there's good there's well, good controversy and bad controversy. I, I'm kind of going to leave that up to you guys because both of it imp Im impacts the game. And so, mm -hmm. what is a moment that changed the course of the game, if you will? Well, that's interesting. I mean, change the course of the game is a different question than, um, you know, maybe is controversial. Yeah. Well, I think that there's been sort of, um, you know, contestant bad behavior that's like, uh, like controversial moments and stuff like that. And, and in, in some ways like that might change like some of the policies that the, the show uh, creators have for contestants from like a player safety perspective and stuff like that. But I feel like that that's probably not the fun stuff to talk about. But in terms of like um, controversial D like d creative decisions uh, that have been made. I, I really do think that um, the final four fire making twist is probably one mm. that really has like uh, changed the way that people uh, play, uh, play the game. Uh, they started that in season 35 where at the final four, 
there are going to be uh, a forced fire making challenge uh, between players at the final four. And now there's a lot of sort of like, okay, well, let's just get to four and let's, uh, let's figure out who makes the fire. And, and I think that, you know, that even comes on the heels of when it used to be a final two. Uh, and to so go from a final, th- from a final two to a final three to now it's a fire making at the final four. Like, I, I think that people don't need to look as closely in terms of like who their number one is in the game. And because you're just trying to get to the end with a group of people and then basically see what happens, see what happens. So I really do think that it has made for, uh, made it a little bit easier for players in a lot of ways because they don't have to really examine of like, oh, actually, am I the, am I third in line here? Or like, am I second? Like, I think, is this person really my number one? So I, I think yeah. that really has affected uh, the strategy and has made, you know, the final five vote more important than, um, you know, in terms of like who you're going to knock out. Definitely. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I would pick. A, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. <clears throat> I mean, in terms of structural changes, I think adding in twists to the game that the players aren't aware of is maybe you know a controversial thing and uh, one that has had a huge impact on the game. You know, I think obviously any twist when it first happens, they're not aware of you know the, the first hidden immunity idol. People didn't know what was going to happen. Happen. You know, the first tribe swap didn't know it was going to happen. But that process has really accelerated. You know, certainly in the 30s and then you know on, on into the 40s, where you know in the 30s, I think the first one was. Uh, Dan um, Foley's extra vote, you know, then I had a steal of vote, which obviously was unfair to everybody. Um, but, but um, you know, now you just, as a player, you just don't know what's going to happen. You have no way of planning for, you know, like um, Dan, like another, another uh, Dan um, in David versus Goliath had no way of planning for an idle nullifier. There had never been an idle nullifier, you know, before. And that's exciting. But when, yeah. when, when every single, you know, season in fact multiple times a season some new thing is being deployed and then the players as a result like just have no way of planning for those things i think that is um i think that takes away a little bit from the game um and so but it does you know certainly speeds up the game and makes the game more chaotic it makes it maybe more uh exciting episode to episode yeah definitely well you guys this has been so much fun this has been a long time making like i said you guys are my two favorites i love I love you guys' podcast. Well, you have incredible taste. I yes. know I do. We, we've we've uh, we've actually improved over the course of this podcast. We were among two favorites, and yes. now we are ending. You know, at the beginning, and now at the end, we're right. at the two That's favorites. That's what we do. Well, I mean, yeah. you guys are. You, I mean, I will say, I, you, Rob, you were a controversial favorite of mine because all of my friends that we were all watching together, and I was texting with, I was like, I don't know, guys, I like Rob. I don't care, <laughs> like you, because they, they had the evil ed in the beginning, and it was sort yeah. of. I love that that I was able to stand, you know, you in a very controversial way. It's kind of nice. Saw, you saw through the edit. Yeah. Now, Stephen, I will say, like my whole friend group, it was mostly like you know my Jewish group of of sort of writer, LA writer, comedy writer friends. Oh my being god! Like, yeah, amazing. we're we're, impro- we're we're standing for Stephen here. <laughs> oh, that's that's incredible! Mm-hmm. My god, There's people have such great taste, both was- to be suspicious of Rob and to uh, you know <laughs> yeah. like me. So I, no, I really appreciate. I was the only that. one not suspicious of Rob. I saw it as a good gameplay. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But yeah, because been and so Rob has a podcast. You do so many different. I mean, on your website, Rob has a website. You have so many different podcasts that other people do. Also, you do as well other podcasts. Like, what? Where can people start with you? So just <laughs> go by whatever show uh, you are looking for coverage of. You know, I started uh, Rob's podcast back in uh, 2010, and I feel like that uh, we are the authority on competition reality TV podcasting. And so uh, check out, you know, coverage of Survivor, Big Brother, The Amazing Race, uh, The Challenge. You know, it, it's yeah. all there uh, 
for everybody to check out on uh, Robbins the Podcast. And Stephen, you're writing. I've loved your writing over the past, well, since I discovered the show and then discovered you and then I read some of your stuff. Great work. I mean, where what are, what are you working on right now? Thank you. I've really been focusing on fiction recently, um, yeah. and hopefully we'll have uh, more stories and, uh, you know, and maybe even some sort of collected version of those stories uh, in the future. That's really, that's really exciting. It's, I'm definitely looking forward to reading that. Thank you both so much for doing this. Thank you for having us on. Thank you for having us. You know, I'd like to think that I could survive on Survivor, but let's be real. I won't even have a cup of coffee on my apartment's balcony. Like, I'm not going outside. Anyway, let me know what you thought of today's episode. You can find me at H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, please leave a little rating and review and maybe share it on social media. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. Until then, watch something fun and you know what to do. Have a great day. Thank you.